Hi, I'm Marianne Talkovsky, and you're listening to the Humanity Speaks podcast. With over a decade of experience as a holistic health practitioner and face reader, I've read hundreds of faces and elevated how many people see themselves. Every person's facial features tell a story of who they are and who they came to be. And in this podcast, you will hear what people see and learn about themselves while looking in the mirror. You won't want to miss an episode, so be sure to subscribe. Baraka Getz is an author of 39 books that help children's souls shine. She herself has quite the earthly soul. And when she shared her story with me, she talked about how she used to struggle with binge eating and obsessive dieting, but soon discovered through what she describes the pleasure ladder that she no longer had a desire to fill her life with addictions. Listen as she shares what she feels humanity needs the most. It's a good one. Okay, so I'm Marianne Talkovsky, and we're on the Humanity Speaks, the Human in the Mirror podcast. I'm here with Bracca Gates. Did I say that right? Almost. <laughs> Bracca Gates. Gates, yeah. Yes, Bracca Gates. I put an A instead of an O. Bracca Gates. G E T S in my mind. Bracca Gates. Got it. Okay, Bracca. So thank you so much. I, people butcher my name all the time. So it's interesting. <laughs> On the other side. So I apologize. We got it. Bracca gets. So, Bracca, thank you for being here today with me. My pleasure. Sure. Happy to be here. Yeah. So, as I mentioned, every episode, we start with taking a look in the mirror. I know you have your mirror in front of you. So, yes. Awesome. Thank you for bringing that. So, I always invite people just to kind of take a minute and look at your reflection and just share with the listeners that can't see your face since we will touch on a couple of of your features through through your telling your story and Chinese face reading what do you see what what would how would you describe your face to people um <laughs> okay somebody i i'm 65 so I see all the lines of on my face from being someone who's 65. But I I do see the youthfulness in me coming through because that's a big part of me, even though I see all the lines of age. And, well, I see I've been out in the sun a lot, so I see a lot of color on my cheeks and my nose. And um, let's see, I think I have. I think it's a, I think it's a roundish face. I mean, I have like, you know, like big cheeks and I think biggish eyes and a, and a very big forehead, which I cover with bangs. So, <laughs> um, and, um, I don't know what else to say. That's about what I have to say. I think. Yeah. A feature of yours. That's your, your favorite. I think it's my eyes. Yes. Yeah. And what do you love about your eyes? It, well, they say it's the window to the soul, right? So I don't know. I I feel like they're eyes that look deeply in. They're kind of biggish, and I I put I put eyeliner around them to highlight them because I really like them. So I guess I you know I like them. <laughs> yes. Okay, beautiful. And then 
Is there a feature that you're not so fond of? Yeah, I, I like my nose when you see it front ways, but on the side, I, I don't like how it looks this way so much. Like, like the profile? Like, uh, yeah, the, is this called profile on the side? Whatever. I, it's like longer looking and it's more playful looking in the front view, which I like. I like the playful look. And this is much more serious on the side. That's mm. what I would say. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that piece. I always ask because, you know, um, we incorporate in these episodes, I incorporate Chinese face reading as a big part of telling your story. And so, you know, the face tells so much about who we are. And I love that you had mentioned, you know, you see your lines as an expression of your age, 65, but you also recognize the youthfulness. And you're also mentioning the rounded features, the big rounded features. So what I see in your face while we're talking is I do see the roundedness. And that is indicative of what we call the earth element in Chinese medicine. And earth is really about how we nurture other people, how we support other people, uh, being a soft place to land, this maternal figure. And, and so this warmth, this kindness, the support is really something that is evident in when I, what I see in your face. How does that resonate with you? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm, I have six, six grown children, <laughs> so I relate to being a mother very much, you know? <laughs> I'm, I'm curious what, and it's the biggest, it's like just about the most important part of my life, you know? So I'm curious that you said it's an earth quality. Earth element, mm -hmm. earth features. Mm -hmm. Okay, earth, yes. And yes. that's soft, but like water is softer than earth. I'm just, I'm just wondering. Yeah, earth, so there's... Earth doesn't seem soft to me so much as water. I'm just curious why. Yeah. Yes, that's a great question. So there are five elements in Chinese medicine and water is an element as well. There's wood, fire metal and earth. And we have all the elements in a different spectrums. Um, so I wouldn't say you're 100% earth. I see that as a main predominant element in your expression of, of your face. Got Water it. is more fluid. Water it, it, in its nature will change direction and flow. Whereas earth is more solid. So I get what you're thinking. If you think about soil, and, and it's richness when it's abundant and yeah. it's dense, it's able to provide and nourish and yeah. hold. Yes. And, and so that's the uh, expression of earth is support being that, you know, like the mother can tuck the child under her you know arm and hold them close, giving them that safe, secure, solid foundation. Beautiful to, to plant seeds in. That's what I love to do the most planting seeds. So that makes sense. Earth. Yes. Talk to yeah. me about the planting seeds because you that, lit up when, when you said that. That's what I love to do in life, whether it's spreading ideas that are planting seeds in the world or, or just planting seeds in people. Like for years, I was coordinating a big brother, big sister program. And I would always encourage the mentors, the big brothers, 
you may not see the results right away, but you're planting seeds. That's what you're doing. And and that's how I feel as a be, about being a mother. It's all about planting seeds. That's how we build their potential. Right. 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 Now, here's something else that's really fascinating because I read what you had shared with me initially as, as your story. Earth is about how we not only feed others, mother, the mother feeds the child. It's also about how we feed ourselves. And you had shared your, a little bit of your story with food addiction. And oftentimes, earthy types can have, I can relate to this, um, a, a stru- solid structure with a little bit of rounded fleshiness that extra padding that, um, <laughs> that our, our culture really rejects, but it is that soft place to land. When you hug someone that's very earthy, you feel like you can really nestle into their curves. What that again, you know, um, that piece. And so when we go into deprivation, there's something that we don't experience and that's pleasure. And I know that's a big part of your work. So I I'd love to hear it. Talk to me about this whole piece about the food addiction and, and your history with that and, and what came out of it on the other side. Oh, thank you so much. I love sharing this. It's, it's when we, why do we overeat? Because the food gives us immediate pleasure. And if we don't have enough other pleasures in our life right now, we want that pleasure to continue. It just makes sense. And so overeating makes total sense if, if you're not getting enough pleasure from other places. So what I'm putting out in the world is the, the most joyful way to overcome overeating is to bring in other pleasures into your life. And it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean going out and getting stuff. It can mean appreciating what you already have in your life. It, it's all about gratitude is how we create more joy. So I learned that there are five levels of pleasure and they actually correspond to the five levels of the human soul. And as we bring more pleasure into our life, we are uplifting our soul. And, and the purpose of food People think it's just for physical pleasure, but it's it's really here to also nourish our souls at the same time. And that's why, like like natural foods, like like you know, like an orange, it will it will create it'll spark joy immediately. And the the color, the smell, the taste. While like the bag of potato chips, a person might be enjoying themselves eating it. Afterwards, it's, it does not uplift the soul in the same way because it may taste delicious, but it's not also nutritious. When it's nutritious, it's, it's, it's helping our bodies and therefore it's helping our souls. So we, in order for, to uplift our bodies, we also, that's how we uplift our souls at the same time. It, it, it works together. So like, that's why like the food that's designed to be addictive, like the processed food, it, it's not designed with all that same, like infinite intelligence, like an orange has, you know, and, and with the seeds that it has that go on infinitely, you know, to create life. So when we eat the more natural foods, 
we get that vitality, it's, it's, it's more connected to source and we get that source energy within us that uplifts us. So the bottom level of pleasure are all the physical pleasures, like, and that could be including food, including all of nature, including movement, dance, including um, music, all these natural physical pleasures, they all uplift our soul as they uplift our body. And just to tell you briefly, the other four levels, the next level is love. Also, it's all about just focusing on the virtues of another. What do you appreciate about someone else? That's really what love is. When you do that, you're filled with warm feelings of pleasure. And so all of these levels are not based on anybody else. They're totally empowering. We can bring these five levels of pleasure into our own lives at any moment, even in prison, even imprisoned in an addiction. We can bring these levels in and uplift ourselves. So it's and each, each level up brings more connection because when a person is um, imprisoned in an addiction, they feel estrangement, isolation, loneliness. So first we, we connect with something physical, natural in the world. Then we connect with a, another human being by appreciating them, love. And then the third level up is meaning. We do something meaningful, good in the world. The fourth level, creativity. We put a part of ourselves into the world. And the highest level is transcendence. When, when we have complete clarity and we see how everyone and everything is connected, these are the five levels of pleasure that correspond to the five levels of the human soul. Yeah. I, I love this. I love, I don't think we talk about pleasure enough in our culture. There's, it's always connected to indulgences and guilt and sex or, or food or chocolate. So I, I love this idea of this pleasure ladder I'm curious, how did you get to that place of understanding this ladder? You you must have a story, an experience, or I would even say um, challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is not, I, I must tell you, this is not my own thoughts whatsoever. I'm sharing ancient mystical wisdom. This is based on the Kabbalah, which is, you know, the most ancient mystical wisdom. So. I'm just giving it over and sharing it because just like you, I feel there's not enough pleasure in the world. And that's what I learned. I was searching for years for what is the purpose to life. And the food addictions increased during my teenage years when I got an awareness that this can't be all there is. What, what am I missing? And so I began my search in all types, many types of spiritual disciplines and environmentalism, social justice, education, obviously, because that's how I ended up at Harvard, searching for wisdom, you know, and I just kept searching. And after I graduated from Harvard, I went to medical school and, 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 and I had a pause there. What was that? You said that so nonchalantly that you went to Harvard. So please say more. (laughs) Yes. So after my first year of medical school, I had a six-week break when I went to Israel, and I didn't come back for 10 years. That's how my life went on a big change. So I found the spiritual wisdom of my own heritage, which I did not know about. 
So it was the missing puzzle piece that I was looking for when I met a rabbi who's no longer alive. And he explained that the purpose of life is to experience the greatest pleasure possible. And that's something that we don't hear at all because he did not mean it in the hedonistic sense. He meant he meant he was talking about the five levels of pleasure. And that's what he explained. He brought the ancient mystical wisdom into our everyday life so that we could all have more pleasurable lives. And, and, and I'm just trying to spread that teaching because it, it brings so much joy into that's what's missing so much. And it's all based on gratitude. Gratitude is what gets us what brings what gets us joy if we don't have gratitude we can't experience the joy right yeah. it's such a high vibration feeling experience and so just hearing what you said in your teens you struggled with food addiction and then you went on to harvard and gained education there went on to med school from med school took a trip to israel got in touch with your roots and got connected with Kabbalah. And then from here, this is where your work has really shifted. Yes, exactly. And I, I started writing children's books for the child I was who wished to, to have books like this about, on spiritual topics where I write about the deepest stuff in a joyful, simple, simple way that any child can understand. So it's, I say my purpose is to write books that help souls to shine. That's, that's, that's what I do. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful. So I know in my own experience, because I've struggled with eating, I've, I had an eating disorder from age 14 to 24. And that's a big part of my story sharing, you know, um, trying to assimilate to the culture, being multiracial, I was told at a very young age, you would look so much better if you lost 15 pounds. And so in my head, it was this belief, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't good enough. I wasn't the ideal body type. And from there, there was this disordered relationship with food. So even though my behaviors didn't really take place until age 14, that messaging was imprinted at age 10, I know that's a very tender age when kids can really have be influenced. So I am curious, Bracca, what would you say to a teenager or a child that you know could potentially be dealing with food addiction or body rejection, eating disorders, that kind of thing? What would be your, your message? What a great, ah, yes. (laughs) And in fact, when I was at Harvard, I was doing really groundbreaking research as an undergraduate. Why are so many, why are anorexic, why are females anorexic so commonly? And as I was writing and doing this research and giving talks, I was getting sicker and sicker as I was doing it. So here I was, this expert. And of course, you couldn't tell from the outside because I would fluctuate between starving myself and the binges, which were endless, and I could never get enough in. So on the outside, I didn't look 
I wasn't emaciated or obese, you know, and you, you would never know how a person was suffering within from just looking at me, you know, and here I was like an expert talking about these things when I was suffering more and more, but I, I was searching and I, what do I want to say to the young person? If I could talk to myself back then, even, I want to say that I, I was searching back then for meaning in my life. I was searching for what could nourish my soul. And, and, and that's what I'm trying to give over now, to recognize that we are essentially spiritual beings. These bodies that we have, they're, they're the clothing of our soul or the houses of our soul. But who we really are is our core. You know, when I, when I do yoga, one of the things that they say, I wrote it down. I, I, my, my teacher was saying it, oh, engage your core. That's what we have to do in order to move. We have to engage our core. It's what we have to do spiritually as well. We need to engage our core. Do, so I say to the young person, do what you love, do what you enjoy, do what makes your soul shine. And then, you know, you won't be so focused on how you look. You'll, you'll, you'll come to be eating more in line with the, the essential you as you fill up your life with joy and pleasure. Then the, the food aspect won't take up so much space in your life. It won't be so important what you look like, and it'll just naturally flow that you will come to be eating in a way that more relates to when you're actually physically hungry. And, and if you can eat with more gratitude and mindfulness and appreciating what you're eating, it becomes just a whole joyful experience and not all about the dieting. You know, are you, I, I, in my memoir, I'm a teenager and I'm reading in these women magazines, women's magazines about how you should diet like this. And then the next page is telling you recipes for strawberry shortcake and how to make it such confusion. You know, all this like garbage food that really isn't going to be helpful to you. And then it's telling you you should diet. Well, which message are we supposed to get? You know? So we need clarity about all these things and being good. We, we, we're here to take care of our bodies and our souls in the best way possible. Yeah. I love that. So you mentioned transcendence. That's the fifth rung on the pleasure ladder. Talk, say more about that. And, and the rabbi actually explains it the opposite way. He, 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 he's like, he, he puts that at the top of the ladder. He goes, that's first class pleasure. Like, do you want to be in first class or you want fifth class? You know, like that's the highest pleasure there is transcendence. In this world, we only get glimpses of transcendence. Like you're under a starry, starry sky at night. You never forget those moments. It like stays with you forever. It's that sense of being part of the universe and, and how awesome it is. So it stays with us, but we don't stay there. It's not a place where we can live in this world and stay in a place of transcendence. It's not, it's not a sustainable state to be in. The, actually, the fourth and fifth level, the, the levels of creativity and, and uh, transcendence are not 
the levels we can sustain in this world. They're actually for the world to come when we return to the world of just being a soul again. But in this world, we mainly interact on the physical level, the, the physical pleasures, love and meaning. That's what we're here for, to interact with this physical world while we're in it and to uplift it and to have it uplift us. That, that interaction is what we're here for. But, but those moments of transcendence they elevate us and they stay with us and they motivate us. So we get glimpses of them here. Like in our Jewish tradition, they teach that the Sabbath is like a glimpse of the world to come. We get glimpses of it on, on the Sabbath, but we don't stay there. It's not where we can be all the time. And if we stay in the state of creativity, we would burn out. Again, it's, it's a place that we visit, but we don't stay there most of our time. We, we are here to get pleasure through physical means, through love, and through meaning in life. Yeah. Yeah, and it really sounds like you found your meaning through helping people to nourish their souls. I love that you brought an orange to this interview. You actually were <laughs> holding it in your hand. How, how can people find you? What, what I know you wrote a book, your book. Oh, my memoir. I wrote, only wrote one book for adults because I didn't really write it. It's, it's a compilation of my diaries, my journals, my letters. It shows the whole process of developing food addictions and then how I overcame them. So it's kind of a psychological mystery. Um, you just go through it with me as I uncover how does a person develop and then, and then heal. And all and the rest of my books are children's books. Yeah. Okay. So the memoir searching for God in the garbage. Is that it? That's it. Okay. Yes. And then 39 children's books. Yes. Yeah. My 39th book came out this week, which is let's swim safely because again, we have to guard our bodies to protect, protect our, our infinitely beautiful souls. Yeah. I love that. I love that Raka. So what would you say in your experience, in everything you've shared with us today, what do you think humanity needs the most? Oh, yeah. What humanity needs the most. Um, what, I, I, see, I, I think what I believe is that what humanity needs the most, of course, I feel it's joy, but, but, but is to know with clarity that we're spiritual beings going through a temporary human experience. That is what I feel humanity needs to know the most, that we are all spiritual beings going through a temporary human experience. Yes. Okay. So they need to know that. And what do you think that humanity needs? Is, is it joy? Is that what you mentioned? Joy and pleasure? Yes. And gratitude. We, gratitude. And, and, and that's what the pandemic did for us. It pushed us forward that we don't take things for granted in any way like we did before the pandemic. Now we know that things could be gone tomorrow that we just took for granted today. It, it pushed us way forward spiritually uh, in becoming people that have the potential for more gratitude. And that's what we're here for. Yes, yes. Okay, so would you mind taking one more glance in that mirror? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> And as you have shared with us what you have today, when you look at yourself, like, what what do you see? Well, I say that my face looks brighter because of 
sharing what I just shared. I, I see, I see it's kind of, it makes my soul shine when I help other souls to shine. <laughs> I see, I see my eyes shining now. Yeah. Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. Raka Getz, thank you so much. I really appreciate hearing everything you shared. I'm so excited about your work in the world. I, I have little ones. I can't wait to share your books with them. And yeah, just keep going. Keep going. Thank you. The same to you. I love what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for bringing more joy and helping people to feel beautiful about themselves. Yes. Thank you for listening to the Humanity Speaks podcast. With the rise of social media engagement and video conference calls, many people are feeling more self-conscious about seeing themselves face on. I believe that if you love yourself when you see yourself, you elevate humanity, which is why I've created programs to help people love who they see in the mirror. I want to show you how to look at yourself with love, compassion, and acceptance so you can share your strengths, presence, and talents with pride. The best part is we can work together one-on-one in a group program or even in person. Simply visit MarianneTelkovsky.com or follow me on Instagram at MarianneTelkovsky and we can get started right now on your path to radical self-acceptance, healthy aging, and building your radiant energy. Until next time, signing off, this is Marianne Telkovsky with Humanity Speaks.